G'day, you're listening to the Virtual Staff Room and this is episode 30, The Whiteboard Conundrum. Hello again, my name is Chris Betcher. Thank you for joining us here on the Virtual Staff Room. And in today's episode, we are having an an interesting discussion about interactive whiteboards, always a controversial topic and always... uh, one of those topics that gets both sides of the educational fence talking uh, about whether they are a good thing or a bad thing. Um, this episode was actually supposed to be originally, uh, the plan was to have it in the form of a debate, and I had a few people who were very pro-interactive uh, whiteboards and a few people who were very negative inter- interactive whiteboards. Um, unfortunately, at the last minute, most of the people on the opposing side, the, uh, the negative side, um, were unable to make it. Um, and so we decided rather than can the whole thing, let's record it anyway and we can try and bring up some of those issues and, and talk about them. And I think we did a reasonable job of that. So in today's episode, we're joined by uh, a fairly international cast of teachers. We've got uh, Rob Newberry, a Canadian teacher teaching in Thailand. James Hollis from just outside Chicago in Illinois, USA. Danny Nicholson from uh, the UK. And from Australia, Martin Levins from the Armadale School and Stuart Walsh, who teaches out in uh, country New South Wales in a little town called Dubbo. So a pretty interesting mix of opinions and and perspectives for this episode. Of course, it would be a shame for the conversation to end here, so I'd encourage you, after you've heard this episode, to head on over to the blog at uh, www.virtualstaffroom.net and leave some comments there in the comment thread, um, because I don't think this conversation finishes here. Um, There's probably a lot more that can be said, and I'm sure many of you have opinions that you'd like to share about uh, whiteboards and whether they're good, bad or ugly. Uh, So uh, enjoy the episode. Well, welcome to another episode of the Virtual Staff Room Podcast, and tonight we're going to be talking about uh, interactive whiteboards, and in fact, this was going to be in the form of a debate, um, but uh, <laughs> you know how things go, things happen, and um, unfortunately, some of the negative side of the team couldn't show up tonight, so um, we will try and cover some of that stuff anyway and talk about the, the pros and cons of whiteboards and, and maybe just a little bit about this sometimes contentious technology. So we've got some great guests tonight, uh, and I'll just start at the top of the list here. Um, uh, Martin, Martin Levins, just tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do. Yeah, good day. Thanks, mate. Um, I'm a, a teacher, although I think I'm actually going to change my name. I think I'm gonna, my title, I think I'm going to change it to student <laughs> after the last couple of days. I've been at a conference with a whole bunch of, um, of really, really talented uh, teachers, so I think I need to learn stuff again. I'm a K-12 teacher, have been for yonks and yonks and yonks and yonks. Really interested in technology, started out as a science teacher, currently run the IT department at the Armadale School in northern New South Wales and I write the, the monthly education column for Australian Macworld. Cool. Thank you, sir. Um, Rob, tell us about you. Um, my name is uh, Rob Newberry. I'm a Canadian uh, teacher living in Bangkok and teaching at an international school. It's uh, called Remedy. And uh, I teach grade 3, 4, 5 technology. Um, I have about just over 200 students in the elementary section and I also teach grade 6 digital photography. Excellent. 
Well done. Uh, Danny, Danny Nicholson from the UK. Hi, uh, my name's Danny Nicholson. Uh, I used to be a, a science teacher, secondary science teacher, but for the last oh, five or six years I've been completely freelance and involved in lots of training and in the main interactive whiteboard training, but, but other tech as well. Um, so I travel around and sort of go in schools and teach teachers how to use whiteboards and other bits and pieces. Okay, excellent. Thanks. And I have to say, Danny, I, I, I stumbled across your blog, the whiteboard blog, a while back, and I, there's tons of good stuff on there. It's a good resource. Um, and then, oh, yeah, I forgot to plug the blog. Yeah. <laughs> we will plug all of those things. <laughs> and then moving across the other side of the world to James, James Hollis in Chicago. Uh, yes, good morning <laughs> to everybody. Um, it's uh, a little after 6 a.m. here. I'm actually in um, Aurora, Illinois, which is about uh, 40 miles west of Chicago. And uh, kind of like Danny, I was a, a teacher for a while. Uh, actually, I'm still a certified math teacher, but I've moved into um, uh, consulting teachers, uh, primarily now full-time in uh, helping teachers um, learn how to use uh, software for the uh, SmartBoard interactive whiteboard. And I will plug my blog, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh, Teachers Love SmartBoards. And, uh, and I also do uh, professional development for the online SmartBoard uh, training site called Teacher Online Training. Excellent. So we've got a fair bit of expertise in the room. Rob, you mentioned you use these things quite a bit as well. Uh, yeah, I've used them uh, when I was in Canada. I used them quite a bit, and uh, I ended up doing some training for teachers on uh, how to use them. And then uh, that when I came to Bangkok, uh, I mean, I think that when I before I came to Bangkok, I must have had um, I don't know hundreds, maybe six or seven hundred pages of smartboard, no, like the sort of slides and pages done. And when I came here to the school, they don't have any smartboards, so <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of where things are at right now. But uh, yeah, but I'm a real big advocate for them. I think they're a great technology. Cool. Excellent. Well, look, guys, um, I'm just going to throw it up um, with, with an opening question to, uh, to anyone who wants to answer it, really. Um, and I'm going to steal a line that I got from um, Ben Hazard from the, uh, the Smart Board Lessons podcast um, when we spoke a while back. And he said, is there such a thing as an interactive whiteboard pedagogy? So I'm going to throw that open to you and just uh, get your thoughts on it. First person in gets it. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's being very quiet, aren't they? And that, now, of course, everyone will speak together. I'll kick off, Chris. <laughs> okay. And, and I don't think there is uh, an interactive whiteboard pedagogy. And, in fact, I don't think that there is a computer pedagogy or a left-handed librarian on Tuesday pedagogy. <laughs> um, I think that uh, that uh, concentrates the philosophy on the particular tool or environment that you are using at that particular time. So I'm interested to see what other people think. What about yourself, Rob? Um, I'm not sure about um, what I would go as far as to say pedagogy, but I think that there, for me, um, and the, the way that I think how it's worked the best, um, is to use it as a teaching tool for the teacher and not a learning tool or a learning sort of facilitator for students. And I know that kind of sounds like a bit of a, maybe a bit of a contradiction, but um, I've, I'm not a big guy to say, uh, let's get the students up here and let's get them up on the board and touching the board and things like that. I feel like it really takes away from the structure of the lesson. Um, I think that there are some definitely some key ways that you can use them in the classroom. Um, but I'm not, as I said, I'm not sure if I would go as far as to say pedagogy. Gee, I'm glad to hear you say that, Rob, because I, I feel like a bit of a heretic sometimes. In fact, I gave a talk 
um, at a conference in New Zealand uh, earlier this year called Teaching is Not a Dirty Word because it's almost like it's become mm-hmm. uh, uh, this notion that you know the, the, the true test of whether an interactive whiteboard is being used well is whether the kids are using it or not. And I just... Maybe I'm a heretic, but I just don't see that. I just don't see that that's the measuring stick by which you should say they're successful or not successful. Um, so it's interesting that you should... Yeah, I, no, I totally that. agree. Well, no, I, I really don't... I, re, I really have... Um, I mean, I, I think I get into some trouble the same way. Some people look at me and they say, well, what, you know, you're going to spend how many thousands of dollars to bring this technology in the classroom? And, um, you know, are your students using it? And what I would do is I would have a homework, or not a homework, sorry, a recess club where every day I would pick three students out of a hat who hadn't been up to the board yet and bring them in at recess for 15, 20 minutes. And they were completely free to play some games on it or they could use Google Earth on it. And they got it out of their system that way. But how I used it was really, I mean, it was for me. I mean, it was, it was technology that I needed in teaching to really um, engage my students, which was the number one reason why I used it. it was the, the level of engagement was unbelievable. Uh-huh. Um, and then afterwards to really try to uh, try to create some visually meaningful um, lessons, especially in mathematics. That's where I found I used it the most. Right. I, I mean, I like, I like to get everybody, I'd like to get everybody using the board for where we can, but it doesn't have to just be like, let's just get the kids up all the time to use it. I mean, you can do a lot of good stuff with a wireless mouse, a wireless keyboard, and using the interactive whiteboard at the front. Yep. Um, I mean, I, I, I kind of believe that, the, I mean, the most important bit is the projector. I think the projector changes the way teachers can use the tech and you know a couple of years ago schools didn't have the projectors in were using it in a certain way the projectors made it a lot different and how they can actually use their window on the world you know and get um, really good quality images and using the internet and stuff like that I, I have found that the boards will be used depending on how uh, the teacher's teaching style and some will just continue to use it as their whiteboard stand at the front and talk Whereas others that start to actually engage the students may not be getting the kids up. It could be pass the mouse around and say, right, interact with it that way. But at least there is some kind of mm-hmm. two-way flow of information going back and forth rather than I'm standing here, I'm the guy on the stage, um, what do you think of this, that and the other? Yeah. Whereas if you just had a projection not the board, the kids are looking at the front of the board, the teacher's to the side of the class, and you've got a very disjointed way of doing things. Whereas with the whiteboard, you could at least stand at the front and say, what do you think of this? Yeah. Uh, you know, you're, you're actually back at the front presenting. Uh, James, yeah. do you want to weigh in? Well, I'd like to kind of. Well, I'd like to kind of take the uh, the, the other side of the argument here. Um, you know, I work with uh, a gentleman uh, by the name of Harvey Almarode, and he's he's actually working with teachers, um, preparing them for the classroom, and not so much that there's a pedagogy for interactive whiteboards. But, you know, what Danny just said is there are a lot of different ways. I think Rob just said this, too. There are a lot of different ways to use a smart board. And you do get people still with um, interactive whiteboard in front of the classroom, and they're, they're up there being the sage on the stage. Yep. And they really don't know how to incorporate other teaching strategies to start making the, the uh, classroom student-centered, which I think is kind of the direction that I, I want to take all instruction. And um, the interactive whiteboard is just a tool to do that. But I think there is a collection of tools that help teachers do that. And I think they really need um, to be informed and educated on strategies for using these tools. So I kind of take the other end of the argument, not so much just with interactive whiteboards, but kind of with the new collection of technologies that allow teachers to finally use technology in a meaningful way that can make a tremendous difference uh, in the classroom. So, um, you know, technology in the classroom, they shouldn't walk into a classroom and notice 
a, a, a smart board or other type of interactive whiteboard. You know, it needs to be technology needs to be ubiquitous throughout the classroom and the school. Um, and, and that's kind of the, the direction we need to head. Interactive whiteboards are just making such a, a tremendous impact just because, in my opinion, they're one of the first uh, tools that allow teachers to be in control of a certain type of technology that makes that does and can make a difference in the classroom. Mm. Now, all the naysayers would jump on what you just said and go, ah, it's not all about putting teachers back in control. It's about actually putting the students in control. But I, I don't know. I, well, I didn't I, mean control of uh, – I meant in control of uh, – Here, the biggest problem I have, and this is kind of what I meant by that, it's – Computers. When computers were introduced, they were, you know, oh, geez, the kids, you won't even need to teach anymore. Yeah. Um, but teachers never felt like mm. they could use the technology, and they, and rightfully so. It was a, a difficult tool to figure out how to use it in the classroom. Interactive whiteboards are different, though. They, they're one of the first pieces of technologies that teachers feel in control of that's what i mean about the control factor they're not afraid of the interactive whiteboard like they were the computer i didn't mean they need to take control of the classroom but they they can be in control of that technology one of the things that keeps coming up in a lot of research is this idea of the whiteboard as a as a trojan horse and and getting technology embedded into learning where it hasn't actually always been very successful in the past using other technologies like we've been trying to get teachers to adopt technology and to use computers and stuff for you know 20 years now and by and large it's been pretty dismally um you know a failure but it seems that the whiteboards have almost been like this this um trojan horse that once they get their whiteboard and they start playing with it and they start using it a little bit it's like oh well to do that no maybe i need to learn how to uh you know put a picture in something and maybe I need to learn how to edit that picture but now maybe I need to learn how to make a piece of video to put in and suddenly they're bringing in all these external skills that are almost like seamlessly sneaking in rather than being explicitly learned if that makes sense I mean I'd, I'd agree with that I mean one of the things I found when I was I was teaching was the IT was in a room down the corridor the computers were all down there and if I wanted to do anything with with the kids yeah. that used IT it was you know get into the classroom right now we're going down to the suite all the faffing around, taking coats off, blah, 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 you end up with the feeling that your whole lesson has to then be on the computer. So you're 45 minutes of doing the same task all the way through, and then you traipse back to the classroom to finish off, and, and off you go. Whereas now where you have the interactive whiteboard at the front, you can do a five-minute video that just sets the lesson off, and you may not use it again for a while, and then something as part of a plenary, and you can really use it as as just another tool in your box rather than I've got to plan for a specific IT lesson yep. where I'm doing science, I want to show a video and then do some experiments and then do something else. Yeah. And it just drops in amongst your lesson then. It's much easier to Danny, use. Would that, sorry, Danny Martin, would that mean that um, you see the um, preponderant use of these things in... Well, I've got two questions, I suppose. One is that um, I inferred from an earlier statement by someone, I apologise, I can't remember who it is, that this is uh, essentially a didactic tool. And secondly, um, are you suggesting that it's, that it's the fact that you have to walk off to a different area? In other words, if you had your truly ubiquitous digital technologies where every student had access to whatever device that they needed, would you still feel the need for um, 
would you still feel the same way that you uh, just enunciated? Um, I think, I mean, this is, this is from my, my view of teaching was a few years ago and left the classroom. I mean, now obviously there is IT coming into the classroom more. So using it with handheld computers, I think the netbook and this, there's, I mean, there are schools now that are using iPod touches in different ways as well. If the tech can come into the classroom, even better as well. We were doing some stuff with, with, um, uh, pocket PCs a while back for, for data logging and stuff like that. But, um, I, I still, I still like the, the, the whiteboard as, as being part of, a, a tool of stuff. Yeah, it could be um, the machines coming to the classroom as well. You've got your whiteboard, you've got your projector. Um, it does make the ICT more accessible. I think a lot of teachers had excuses that I, you know, I can't do IT because dot, 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 and it was always some other thing that got in the way. And I think having you know, having a whiteboard and stuff all set up at the front of their classroom made it easier for them to actually use it. But they didn't have so much of an excuse then. The problem they then have is, well, I don't know how to yeah, use sure. it. The excuse then is we need to... Yeah, sure. We need to train them to show understand that. that. Use from it. Yeah, but what you've described is a projector and a screen. It's not an interactive whiteboard, and I'm interested in teasing out that distinction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'd, well, I'd, I can, I'd I can the start. Oh, sorry. Oh, go on, go up. Sorry, I was just going to say go something on, about the about the what, yeah, what it makes sort of the difference between what what the difference is between a screen and the and the the sort of the smart board sort of. N- aspect of it is that um, why well, I, I use the smart bo- uh, board so that was so I was using notebook and I find notebook to be a really great tool actually I think it's a really fantastic uh, the students really like using it um, I really like using it and what it what happens though is that I think it takes a lot longer to set up lessons for the smart board than it definitely does for any than just the projector and the screen because the projector and the screen is just really one mouse click kind of thing whereas to make something visually meaningful uh, especially using notebook. I mean, a lot of teachers would complain. They would say that's their biggest complaint about first getting into smart boards was that uh, it, it upped their planning, t- their planning time by about 40%. I've got to say, when I, uh, I'll just jump in here for a sec, guys. I, when I first saw interactive whiteboards, I got invited to go to a school in southwest Sydney uh, where this particular school had put them in every classroom. And I toured around the facility on this, you know, the big showcase day where they were showing everybody what they were doing. And all I saw was projectors being the magic. I didn't see anyone using the boards in any way that was beyond what I'd been doing for years with a projector. Um, and I, I totally got it. Like, I understand where Martin's coming from and where so many other people come from when they look at this and they go, the board's really not doing anything, it's all the projector. Uh, now, I've kind of changed my mind, and I'm not going to sort of talk about it just yet. I might come back to it to see what you guys think. But how do you move the magic from not just the projector to being the entire projector board, whiteboard, the whole environment that you have there because of the board. How is it different to a projector? Yeah, that's what I'm interested in. Well, I think the uh, there's something really cool about them. And I think that that's hard. It's a, it's a thing that's kind of hard to put your finger on. Well, that's, that's actually kind of funny the way, the way I said it. But the finger, yeah, to put the finger on it and to have the, the – t- and to actually have the touch <laughs> aspect to it. I think that's what makes it really different. That's why – yeah, it's it's fun to pass the mouse around in class, and it's and all and and all those things are great, and the, you know it'd even be better if it was one to one or if you had a computer on every desk, and those things are those are really great things. But there's something really cool about going up to the board and manipulating things tactilely and seeing them react visually, and I mean that's why movies like, like that's why like uh, Minority Report and and all those movies that were, where they started using this kind of interactive touch thing, it means something, and I think that it means something to to people. I think that it's 
that connection, that human connection to it. I mean, without sounding too much like a like a like I just got it back from a Grateful Dead concert. I think that that human interaction with it, I think that really has a lot of meaning. And I think that the way it goes, I think that students that that is what really is engaging to it, but too, yeah. in a big way. Yeah, that that was actually what hooked me, Rob. Is, is um, when we first got aboard and and played with it, and I had it on loan for a month, and then when I gave it back, I just felt naked. And it, I had still had the projector. That wasn't the thing. It was that. Um, being able to point and touch and have eye contact and and observe the room and sort of interact one on not one on one but one on many with the kids um, is totally different to sitting behind a terminal wiggling a mouse around and saying look up here and trying to get people's attention by wiggling a mouse. That's a totally different thing. But you made a really interesting point there, Chris. The really interesting point you just made was that you you're talking about interaction with the kids. So you're using the board, and I, I agree with you. I reckon that pointing at something is a very natural human gesticulatory yep. communication. So if you can point at something and as a consequence of pointing it, move something, it is much more powerful than having to find out where the hell a pointer is on a screen yep. and follow that. It's a, it's a lot more... Um, it's a lot more it's like our normal talking and the reason I'm having I'm stumbling over my words here at the moment is because you can't see my hands gesticulating <laughs> indicating that I couldn't find them <laughs> and I think that makes that makes the no, point I, I, can see, I think it was I can really see. interesting <laughs> you're talking about interacting with the kids yeah I, I, I think so And uh, well there's a Sorry, go on, James. Well, I, I know there's a slight delay, and I, you're both you're both right. It, it's 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 something that I don't think has been uh, written on a lot of blog posts and what it is. I don't think we know what that touching really is. It's kind of like my iPhone, uh, Danny. Welcome to the world of iPhones, by the way. <laughs> and here's the thing with the iPhone being able to touch it. It is the worst phone in the world. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> I just I hate it as a phone, but I like my iPhone better than I like my first car. And you ha- you have to you have to then figure out what it is about the iPhone and and from a, when I put it back into the students like what we're talking about here it's the students being connected in a actual physical meaningful way with the information. They now are a team with the information that's being presented as opposed to being observer to it. And it doesn't take much to make the students feel like they're part of the the information. Uh, touching touch and drag, going to where they want to go and everybody watching is is a huge deal. And the last point I want to make is when when I observe smart boards or interactive whiteboards in the classroom, if this if the teacher is up doing stuff, and teachers are going to be using the interactive whiteboard and with the students looking, but when students go up there and one student is using it, all the attention from every other student dramatically changes and focuses on that student. The students are a group, mm-hmm. and when one is up there, they have a lot more engaged. You know, we use that word too much, but it, it's really the best word we can use to describe it. The other students are engaged when they see, you know, one of them being the one in control of the information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. There's a, there's a comment in the chat room here from Teacher NZ. Hello, Michael, over in Hamilton, New Zealand, um, that he says there's just something about the kids using the boards with their peers that uh, makes it kind of special. 
So I just wanted to make mm-hmm. sure. Just wanted to let you know, that's Michael, the, we are the, watching. <laughs> I think that's why the smart boards. I think that they're. It's still very new for them. I mean, I think that I know they've been in classrooms a long time, and you know, uh, smart technologies have put out probably over two million boards. I think by now, probably close to two and a half million or something. But I think we haven't even got to the point where we're really able to explore what it can mean, not just for teachers presenting and and for people in the front of the classroom, but I think for students to go up there and engage with the board when it becomes multi-touch or when they can use it with another person on the t- at the same time. One of the best, best games I ever found was a, was a flash game. and It was just a really simple game. It had 100 number squares on the board, and they were all numbers from, I think it was 1 to 9. And then uh, it, a number would flash on the screen, and you had 10 seconds to find numbers that would add up to that number and just touch them, and then it would disappear. And then, you know, the object of the game was to try to clear the board. And there was no more fun than that class. And we had no more fun the whole year was when we had two students up there (laughs) trying to solve it together and helping each other out. Or when we had two teachers there trying to compete to see who would who would sort of choke first. Like, it was great, but it hasn't got to that point yet. We haven't got where we can have complex things, you know, complex movement on the, on, on the whiteboard and having a lot of multimedia, uh, sort of multimedia interaction and getting students to actually work on a project together by dragging things into it or pulling photos out of it and stuff. It's coming. I mean, they have that table there now, but it's still very, very early in development. So I think when the technology comes out, I think we're going to, and as it gets better and better, and it's coming, right? Windows 7 is already multimedia support. Yep. So, um, or sorry, multi, uh, multi-touch support. So yeah, well, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's a lot, I think there's a lot to come, yeah. Yeah, you know one of the one of the catchphrases that I kind of have adopted with the whole whiteboard thing is you know it's not about what happens on the board it's what happens because of what happens on the board, and it just seems to me that uh, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of measuring of success of interactive whiteboards by how interactive they are meaning you know how how you drag things around on the screen and how the kids come up and they move things, but I more and more of the opinion these days that it's it's not it's not just about the little interactive tools and learning objects and flash games and stuff that you can get happening. It's what happens to the dynamic of the kids because of all that stuff. And even in a classroom, it's because you can pull mm-hmm. up a, you know, a, a Google map and zoom in on it and move it around and view it from a different angle um, that it's the conversations that you can then get started in a classroom with kids about that stuff that is the real power of the, of the technology, sure. not so much what happens on the actual board itself. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I might get your response. Right. Well, here's, the, here's a kind of question, kind of the response to that. It would be um, what kind of tool, I mean, to, to do what you're saying, and I think that how we all think about how we, we, we use sort of our most successful sort of uses of it in the classroom, we have to have some pretty, you know, I think that they're kind of defined skills that, that come from a lot of exposure to it and some fluency with the board. But there has to be some things that the average teacher, they, they would have to have some set skills on, on the smart board and some things that they would have to be able to do. And I, mean, I guess what kind of things... Like not, you can't just sort of throw things up on the screen and say, okay, well, here's the triangle, here's the square, and let, you know, let's just put them over top of each other and see how they compare. I think that those would get really boring pretty fast. Yep. I think the more complex lessons, the ones that comes out of it, what kind of things do teachers really need to know how to do with those? You know, I think that kind of leads out of your question. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd, I'd agree with a lot of that. It's, I think the, the issue I've found with, with teachers, they've, um, the boards are often just, just dropped into a classroom, and so they're, they're not shown how to use them, not shown what they can do with them. And so when people say, oh, I've been in this school and all I've seen is the, is the teacher at the front teaching, it's kind of because they don't really know what it can do. Yeah. Therefore, they don't know any better. Therefore, mm-hmm. they, they just teach in the same way they've always taught, just with this new tool I've got, which just happens to show my window screen at the same time. Um, and I think if teachers are given <laughs> the opportunity to actually 
see what is possible. And you know, schools that have spent several thousand pounds on this spend you know, a couple hundred quid on a bit of training might actually get a lot more out of what they pull in. So when people say, I, I don't think it's really, you know, by the way, buy training here from whiteboardblog.co.uk. Um, I don't think it's, it's the issue sometimes that boards themselves are, are stopping the training, stopping um, what's going on in the classroom. But the teachers don't know better. And I think if we show them what it can do, suddenly they start using it differently and that will make a change in the classroom. Yeah. Um, until that point, Mm-hmm. They will just keep doing what they've always done. And then we go in saying, oh, you know, they're not using... Whiteboards don't make any difference. They would. They just don't know how to. Mm-hmm. Probably. <laughs> yeah, and it's hard to measure. I, I, there's been study after study on, you know, how whiteboards make a difference, but there's just so many variables. There's so many variables in everything to do with education that it's hard to know which one thing is actually the thing that makes a difference. I think at the end of the day, the one thing is the quality of the mm-hmm. teaching. There is a lot of uh, research that's gone into that, uh, though, Chris. If you look at the work of uh, John Hattie in uh, New Zealand, who did that meta-study of all of the... um, He's he's been doing it now for 20 years, where he's been studying other people's um, innovations, to use a a word that seems to have lost its currency a bit. But um, he he basically... um, I think it's something in the order of 200 separate educational innovations throughout the world. 200,000, sorry. 200,000 students involved. And looked at what effect it had on a variety of different methods. The, uh, if you just Google um, uh, Hattie Auckland University, you'll get to his homepage and you can download the, the relevant bits of business. It's H-A-T-T-I-E, by the way. And he shows that a lot of the things which we um, ha- have been faddish over the past 30, 40 years really don't have great deal effect at all. The thing that has the biggest effect is the relationship with the teacher and the quality of the feedback given to the students and whether the students themselves have any say in their assessment. Yeah. Um, none of these other things, you know, problem-based learning or all those things. And I and, and think you're quite right it, it, that um, as soon as you're faced with anything that uh, involves humans, you've got 100,000 variables, you know, whether or not it was a hot wind blowing and the kids have just come back from recess and the taps weren't working. You know, you've got so many things that can affect uh, what's going on in the classroom. So you end up with a lot of ethnographic uh, studies, which a lot of st- statisticians poo-poo because they're not mathematical and scientific and quantitative. But when we were looking at introducing laptops into our school, um, we asked teachers because I think the teachers are the ones who know the kids the best and they can make they can make judgments about whether or not something is actually assisting the kids or not and the sort of questions that we asked was not have the kids got 95% on their spelling now instead of 80% or anything like that. We asked them questions like what's the relationship between you and the kids like now compared to how it was? What do you think about the autonomy of the student learning? Has that improved or, you know, comment on that? And um, I was really, really surprised at the outcome of, uh, of those surveys because the, parent, the, the teachers could, A, make those judgments, were more than happy to make those judgments, and it was remarkably consistent across the whole school group. And I think that's 
in itself says something quite interesting. Has anyone else had any experience in measurement along those lines? Uh, just before you guys jump in there, I'm just going to bring Stuart Walsh in. Um, Stuart was patiently waiting and installing Skype in the background. Uh, there you go. It's just calling. <laughs> Stuart, you there? Yes. Hello. Can you hear me? Hello, mate. How are you? Yes, we can hear you fine. How are you doing? Oh, frustrated. <laughs> Never mind, you're here now. That's the main thing. Uh, thanks for joining in. Um, Stu, just want to give us a quick um, hello of where you're from and what you do, and uh, I know you've been keen to be part of the conversation in the city in the back channel there, and you finally got in. Yes, um, Stuart Walsh here from Dubbo, uh, New South Wales. Um, teach at Dubbo College Senior Campus. Teach mainly Year 11 and 12, IT, Technology, and uh, the school's uh, Digital Technology um, trainer for the teachers. Um, I used Smartboard the last three years and have used it to great effect. Cool. Cool. Um, I, I'm just going to come back to that point that Martin was raising a second ago uh, and then I might just get you to kick in a bit more uh, insights into your classroom experiences. Um, does anyone want to just pick on, up on what Martin was saying there? I just want to refresh our memory, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I guess what I was saying is I was really echoing your points, uh, Chris, and that was that um, it is very difficult, I think, to get um, quantitative data uh, because people will always say that, you know, you've introduced a, an educational innovation and the, the tests aren't measuring what you think has improved. So I was just wondering if anyone else has had the experience that we had where we ask teachers to evaluate things like the relationships that they have with kids as a result of a, a technology innovation, about whether the kids' autonomy in learning had changed, about whether or not their dependence on the teacher, similar thing, uh, had changed. And I was, I was amazed at the consistency of the replies and how precise they were in that uh, everyone seemed to be... Um, you know, on the same view, quite happy to make a um, make a judgment, and the judgments were remarkably similar. I was wondering if anyone else had had any experience um, along those lines. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, anyone want to add to that? Um, you know, it's 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 kind of one of those uh, terrible things that has happened over here in the states, um, where it, the the entire factor of um, school has to do with how how well, or to put it simply, um, are the test scores going up, um, you know, three percentage points? You know, unfortunately, administration, that's all they care about. But I, I think you're right. When you get down into the classroom and you ask the teachers, um, you know, and you can only really right now when they first get in, they first start using, you can only get, uh, you know, qualitative answers here. And I think you have to go and, and trust in those first because you're, you're asking those to the people who are actually in, the ones, you know, with the the job to help educate you know our youth and when they all say from a you know qualitative uh, position that it it does make a difference and I, I think you need to listen um you know to the teachers and, and not worry at least initially so much on the uh, uh quantitative aspect on it yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And that was something, um, some of you guys know that uh, along with Mal Lee, uh, I wrote a book about this stuff a while back and that was something that consistently came up from people when we asked them about it. Those who were actually used it and 
and embedded it into what they did, consistently said things like, it, it makes a difference, I enjoy teaching more, the kids enjoy the experience more. And that was, um, without fail, a common thread from everybody I spoke to. Mm-hmm. But that's an excellent point, Martin, this whole notion of, you know, what do you, what do you measure and how do you measure it? And, um, and you say you did that study at your school. Yeah, we did it when we had, um, oh, you know, we had the trolleys of computers uh, that people could go and borrow. And um, so everyone was saying we need more of them So because we can't get them when we need them. And I said, well, it's actually going to be more expensive to get more of them than it is to go one-to-one. Um, yeah. And uh, everyone said, oh, that's a big move. And I said, well, let's let's find out how people feel about it. So that was really the clincher, I think, was a um, whole bunch of bar charts that all had strongly agree on the right-hand side of the questions that asked had they made positive differences and strongly disagree with all the ones that asked if they'd made detrimental, um, had detrimental effects. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit different, though, when you actually introduce them, and we're not talking about one-to-ones here. But um, I, I think um, helping the teachers um, make those decisions and asking them those questions rather than, you know, has, has your test, have your test scores in, improved by 3%, as um, someone was saying earlier on, James, I think, um, that you're really talking about the relationships. And again, come back to John Hattie's work, that's what demonstrates, has been demonstrated. If you want statistics, the statistics demonstrate that those sorts of things are really important in kids' learning. Yeah, yeah. Um, Stu, you're, you're in the classroom every day with kids. Um, what's your take on that notion of this technology actually being um, something that you know, I... makes it a better place to teach in? Yes, I, I definitely believe that technology does. I mean, you think that the, the students nowadays are the digital natives and it's never so true that they're brought up with all this technology. I'm one of the, the teachers fighting at school for the um, mobile phones and iPods to be brought into the classrooms as a learning tool, not something banned, because the kids are relying on those things more and more these days and they're utilising them to great effect. And I have used them in a classroom with a locked door, mind you, <laughs> um, to great effect. <laughs> Um, as far as you know, interactive whiteboards go, I've left a comment on Chris's blog site and I don't want to add too much to that debate um, per se as, as that particular thing, although I will add to it as I hear things because that was what I um, put on Chris's site to, for everybody to see. So if you want to read that, that's, that's what I think about the whole issue. I think they're a great tool, but they're a tool we use with many other resources that we have and anything overused becomes... Um, you know, the kids don't like it and won't use teaching mainly year 11 and 12. Uh, I can't use any two, any two things too much, otherwise they get bored. So I've got a lot of little things that I use and they never know what I'm going to do from one lesson to the next and that keeps them happy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, that's a really good point. I'd like to, I mean, what, what you're talking about is bringing in a lot of other technologies that work seamlessly with a tool like the interactive whiteboard. And, you know, I, I think uh, it behooves us to mention the the increase in the number of interactive response systems that are going on in the classroom and, and how well the interactive whiteboard is a tool that supports that, uh, you know, the, this new educational tool. And, you know, when, when kids start bringing in their, their, their eye touches and their iPhones and those start integrating directly with a piece of software that teachers can start assessing, um, 
you know, student knowledge there on the spot as opposed to waiting, you know, two days until they grade a test and they're already on another subject matter. You know, I, I think you have to talk about the, the the interactive whiteboard just really, really makes bringing in these 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 tools um, easy. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the interactive response system is, is one of those tools that absolutely will make a uh, quantitative difference on test scores. Yeah, you know, someone was talking to someone yeah, about this look, the other I'm day. I'm not too sure on that. Um, Sorry, Martin, you go. Yeah, you go ahead, Chris. I'll come in in a minute. I just need to disagree with that. Okay, no worries. I, I was just going to say that um, uh, whenever I talk to people about interactive whiteboards and I'm, I give an example of how you might use it, there's always some smart person at the back of the room who wants to say, yes, but look, I could do that with a piece of um, paper on the wall and some, some sticky blue tack, or I could do that with um, flashcards, or I could do that with you know bits of cardboard on the table and move things around and match and drag and all the rest of it. And all of that is true. Yes, you could show a video using a VCR. Yes, you could show a... You know, all, all of these disparate little technologies that you could do with the collectively replace the entire experience of having a large screen technology at the front of the room. But it's like the iPhone. It's like, you know, before I got an iPhone, I used to carry around a, a, a phone and a, and a bipod and a GPS and a camera and a video camera and everything else. And gradually, more and more of those devices just became subsumed into this one device. And it's not the fact that I've got now one device that used to do the job of five and that's just more convenient. It's actually a a new class of device. It actually changes the way I do stuff because I've got everything in one place. And, And what I'm seeing with the whiteboards now is because it's this large screen technology at the front of the room, it's permanently connected to the net, it's often got a scanner attached to it, it can jump out and pull up documents, it can take you know, images and bring them up, it can, it can get kids interacting with stuff directly. It's that all-in-one-place kind of thing about it that actually is the game-changer. Not so much that you could do all this any other way, but now you can do it all in one place and it's there all the time. That's kind of been my observation is what's really different about this. I mean, I'd, I'd agree with that, Chris. I mean, that, that comes back to what we were saying earlier on about the board being a way of just sneaking the IT into the classroom. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we've, we've got this, we've basically this hub, this is the whiteboard, but that provides the focus then for all these different things that we can start to do, whether it's the, the Web2 tools that we're starting to use, whether it's Google Earth, whether it's the internet, whether it's um, using your, your document camera so you can put stuff up on it as well and annotate. And There's, there's all these different things that are coming in, but using the, the whiteboard and the, the computer at the front as that hub for all these different things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Martin, you wanted to pick up on something before? That's well said. Yeah, uh, well, there are two things, actually. Um, This is a really interesting conversation. I think I want to draw a distinction first between what you said about the iPhone and what you said about the uh, whiteboard, Mm -hmm. and people might want to pick up pick me up on this in a minute or so. I think the, the, there is a difference, there's a subtle difference between the iPhone and the whiteboard, and I haven't seen this yet in a whiteboard. In the iPhone, you, you, it's not just that you've got everything in the one place. It's that you've got the opportunity for things to interact with one another, which creates a situation which didn't exist before. So it's as a synergy that happens there because right. you've got these things that will talk to one another. Right. Whereas I haven't seen that in the interactive whiteboard. I know you can do a lot of stuff on it, and, you know, we've done that. 
but I haven't seen that synergy where the whole is bigger than the sum of its parts. And I'd be interested in hearing if anyone has come up with that. But the point that I, I really wanted to make was I, I don't agree that these response systems are going to um, pick up um, increased students' learning. They may change points on some uh, exams, but everything that I've seen so far has been largely recall. And because most of these things, and I know they're changing, but most of these things have used, the only option you have was multiple guests. Now, some of them are coming up now where you can do some things that are a little bit better, but anyone who's written multiple choice questions to elicit understanding from kids or their understanding of concepts will know that it takes an enormous amount of time to write a good question. Um, And I don't think teachers are going to do that. I think they're going... And the, the, the problem is that they will go back to simply testing facts, which I know will work for the no child left behind approach or no child left approach in the US, but I, I don't think it's going to do anything for learning. Interesting. Martin, um, you, you, can I, you can I ask very... you a question? About... Go ahead. Oops, sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, go ahead, Rob. Well, I, I was just going to comment. I, I, wanted... I, think, I think Martin's right. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, Rob, I'll let you ask your question of Mark. I'm off. <laughs> well, I was going to say, it, maybe, I, you know, I know that we're looking for, we're always looking for learning, right? I mean, that's, of course that's what it is. But if these interactive whiteboards are maybe, is, is it possible that we're, we're trying to, we're looking for something that's almost maybe unmeasurable? We're looking for, the students are becoming more engaged. And I think that's the first step to any type of, to any type of education is engagement. If they're not listening, they're not going to learn anyway. So I think that we've got engagement. I think that um, if students can see this, you know, and they can, they can get an appreciation for how things are, are being used. And if it's being used with multimedia, if it's being used with internet resources and going live on the internet while you're in the classroom looking up things, you know, highlighting text that's right on the internet, hyperlinking all those things, students can become really interested in education again. And maybe that doesn't necessarily say, okay, we're we're measuring learning, but is that maybe the same thing? Like, or or is it, is it almost, is it the next thing to it? Like if they, if we're, if we sort of, um, what am I saying, instill a, a love of education again or an appreciation for, oh, wow, this is actually pretty cool. It's cool to learn again. Or maybe if I'm, I mean I'm talking from the perspective of bringing kids back, but if we if we it's still a love of education, is that kind of the same thing? Yeah, I don't know. That's that's hard, isn't it? I mean, you, you you've got to have them engaged before they'll learn. True, you've got to have anyone who's got to be engaged before they learn. And if they are learning, they are engaged. I think that's axiomatic. But um, I guess. I was really picking up on the point that uh, I think it was Danny said, then that was that um, that the response systems are going to change things. And admittedly, you said increase the uh, performance on tests, which is not necessarily the same thing. I guess what concerns me is that, uh, and what has concerned me about these things for a long time, is that a teacher can can continue to teach in exactly the same way as they always have, which is a good thing because it means that they haven't got as big an activation step to get into it, but it's also a bad thing because we end up with people, you know, doing the same didactic job and measuring very simple um, learning uh, over the whole thing. So Mm -hmm. that's what concerns me about the response systems. I don't think they're a panacea. I don't even think they're they're a Panadol. (laughs) 
Uh, James, you wanted to kick in on something there. <laughs> I, well, once again, I, your, your summary, Chris, and Danny's about, uh, you know, the smart board being able to give teachers, first of all, a control of a technology and feel comfortable with all the different things that can be used to help learning. Um, you know, my point was interactive response systems are just a new tool that is very easy to use that integrates quite well. Now, I and I, it's hard to disagree with Martin, but I guess my point would be you, you can't get around the fact that evaluation is uh, a vital aspect in in helping kids learn and knowing what um, they need to cover, it's just in a in a in a classroom setting. It's you need to. You can you can be all you know fluff. Yes, we want to improve learning. Obviously, we do, but you still have to be able to evaluate and judge where your students are, and the ability to um, know on the fly as opposed to two days later. I think brings in a whole new style of learning. Um, or teaching, excuse me, that's very important. Being able to change a lesson on a fly um, is, is, I think, vital. And you can only know, you know, when to focus on certain pieces of information when you have that data in hand. And it's not just that they have to develop the questions. You know what, there are all sorts of amazing applications out there that uh, help teachers evaluate. But Bringing those into the classroom to use on the fly is not very easy right now. But I just think that the, you know, the integration of interactive whiteboard, you know, just like everything else, will start making that more commonplace and allow teachers to change their their lessons on the fly, which I do think will increase, you know, what the kids know and, you know, quantitative, quantitatively uh, increase test scores and i'm sorry to throw in the need to increase test scores but you know guess what (laughs) um that's that's an important aspect here in the states um with the no child left behind uh stupid law um it's just terrible the no child left behind i think is hurt learning without without question um, it's just nuts what teachers do in the classroom to increase test scores by five points. And they're, they're taking away kids learning critical, you know, doing critical thinking and all that. Um, there's, there's no doubt about that. So those are just thoughts, just random thoughts. Random thoughts are good. Um, I'm just going to, as, as we kind of wind towards, uh, I guess, having to wind this down, um, if you guys can think of examples, maybe uh, in in the book that um, Mal and I wrote, we we use this idea of you know you, you start to use the border initially to do things you've always done. Um, we called it old things and old ways, and then you move gradually into doing some you know the old things, but in slightly new ways, and then eventually, hopefully, you start to do new things in new ways, uh, and and you start hopefully to start using the IWB technology to do things that really weren't feasible or possible or, or, you know, likely using old technology. Uh, and I'm just wondering if you guys have got any examples you might be able to throw up here that uh, would be good examples of that, of how you could say to someone, well, here's something I could not do prior to this technology being in my classroom. Um, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but if you've got anything, be interested to hear what you think. Uh, and the sim- I mean, one, I've, one I've tried with, with teachers before is a simple thing where you, if you're watching a video 
and you've either got the video from YouTube or you've got the video of different kinds of content servers that, that schools are buying around here, is that you can use the, the, the camera tool inside Smart or Promethean just to take stills as you go through the video yep. of, of snapshots of the important moments. And then after the video, you know, you've only shown a five-minute clip, you've got all those stills on the page, and it's a case of then talking through. You've got those either for recall or you could actually do an activity where you, you, you sequence them again. Well, what was first? What came next? What came after that? Or what was happening here? And you've got those images there without having to go back and forwards through an old videotape to, to rewind to this point. You can just use those little snapshots as you go through. And if you're trying to do that without a whiteboard stroke computer, it's a lot harder to do that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Can I jump in and just follow up with that? Absolutely. And just to take that a step further, I think one of the uh, tremendous values about having everything together where it does change is what Danny talks about, and that's being able to take information that's being shared right there and make it available later on for the students. And uh, being able to use the software and the tool to, for instance, make a recording of what you're doing in the classroom and then literally in about five minutes being able to post something onto um, the internet for your your students to be able to access later on um, at their own choosing, which makes it, it empowers them. I, I think that's a, a way it, it does change too. Yep. Cool. Uh, Stuart, I know you're saying there in the back channel, you <laughs> trying to figure out how to interrupt here. Just go for it, mate. Okay. No, I'll just let you go. When I've got something to say, I'll know what to do now. <laughs> No worries. Um, Rob, did you have anything, uh, any examples you can think of? Um, just I think that um, what, one of the things that, that really did it for me that really got me involved was just how much multimedia I could bring in and how many different resources I could bring into the classroom with mm. it. Um, you know, plugging it into a sound system, having it connected to iTunes. Students could bring their own music in and, you know, plug it in um, or their MP3 players. Um, I don't know, YouTube videos, everything, just having all that. And then I even, at one point, we even found out really was great was when we attached the document camera or like a, what I guess you call, some people call them visualizers, mm-hmm. where you, when you attach it to the same, uh, to the same, in, like, the, you know, I guess most projectors will have two inputs. So I could just switch back and forth between sort of having a live camera on the desk and then having the, the, uh, the smart board as well and all of those different functions about it. So I think just bringing, having, so many resources, you know, and exploring some really more difficult concepts that I that I might find difficult to sort of express uh, just with sort of using some more, um, you know, some earlier technologies. I found that I could express them a lot better with with what I had there. Mm. Um, you know, there's a guy in Australia, a guy called Peter Kent, who wrote a book about whiteboards that I thought was a, a really good overview of uh, ideas. Uh, and, and, and pedagogy and he gave an example in that book that really struck a chord with me he had a, a, um, a, a smart notebook or an active flip chart page and it had like a picture of a girl just a, like a cartoon picture of a girl and it had the words leg, arms, eyes, nose, beers next to it and the initial activity was the kids would come out and drag the words onto the girl in the appropriate position and, you know, I think we all know that that's a pretty low-level activity. It's just simply matching words to something, and it's <laughs> simple recall. But then he changed the slide slightly, and instead of um, the words, he actually had the numbers, one, two, three, four, five. And he said, now I want you to come out and just drag the numbers onto the girl in the order of importance. So the parts of the body that you think are the most important, put a one on. 
And I just thought, wow, that was such a simple, mm-hmm. simple thing, but that totally changed it from being a, a task at the bottom of Blooms to something up near, well, certainly towards the top, you know, because now you're having to think and synthesise and wonder about balance things against each other and go, well, the eye's more important than the arms, you know, what if, you know, do I need my ears more mm-hmm. than my mouth? Uh, Something as simple as that, but what it did was it pushed the conversation away from what was happening on the board and back out into the kids again. And the kids were then arguing about, no, no, eyes are more mm. important than mouths, and uh, that sort of thing. And I just found that a really powerful example. So, you know, again, I, I don't necessarily know that you, know, you couldn't have done that any other way, but it's that kind of thinking about using, whether it's drag and drop or multimedia or some form of, you know, quote, interactivity to bring the interactivity out as into um, more of a discussion or a conversation or an argument even with the kids to have to defend their point of view. And that's where I see the huge power of these things. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt so much. Um, Martin, did you, uh, did you want to give an example? Um, I think the, it, it's what a lot of the uh, commercial people have picked up on, and, that's, and I get back to this gesticulation thing and how how that uh, enhances the um, the communication between the um, between the person who well between anyone I suppose because we all gesticulate when we talk and I think a lot of that um, communication that's nonverbal is really important and when you are um, dealing with that uh, in the same way as a, a teacher will use an ordinary whiteboard um, they will be able to point to things that they don't have to say, look at this, they just point and it's there because all of that non-verbal communication is there. And being able to expand things, to focus concentration on a specific area, uh, magnify things, I think that's probably one of the most powerful things that I've experienced with it. Good point. Uh, Stu, did you want to throw an example in as we wind this up? Yes, no, having um, used IWBs for a good three years now, I was there when the college... Uh, sold some land in every classroom in our college got um, an IWB. Uh, there was a lot of uh, how do I use it type thing that went on. And I was an early adopter before they thought a technology classroom wouldn't need a IWB, strange thinking, but I had an overhead projector and used the software and everything beforehand, could see the power in it. Um, being an early adopter of Google, um, blogs, wikis, um, all sorts of media-rich um, podcasts, podcasts, all that sort of thing, I found the IWB to be a, an extension of that and a usable tool to put those other things onto. And as Chris has already said, it has connectivity to the internet and other parts. Also, smartboard software has a recording capability, which I've used to great effect, and many, many other things. Now, uh, yes, it does lend itself more interactively to the junior uh, classes in the college, but it also, if used correctly, can be used um, interactively with the senior students, I've found. Uh, they do have their place, but like I said, everything else still has their place. I still use an overhead occasionally. The old switch machine on and put the uh, clear plastic in. Really? Still use wow. the um, whiteboard pen on the old whiteboard. I uh, still use the, in the IWB. All those things, <laughs> as I said before, you've got to use the whole lot to be uh, interactive in a classroom. It's not just the IWB being interactive. I've had my piece. Thanks. <laughs> Good on you. Thanks, mate. <laughs> no spirit duplicator, Stu. I'm disappointed. <laughs> uh, 
All right, well, gentlemen, I will wrap this up because otherwise we could be here all night or all morning or wherever it is in your time zone. Um, but I, I really appreciate you taking your time to have a chat with us. I think it's been it's been interesting. I think we've covered some interesting ground. So I'm just going to go through and um, just uh, I'll start at the bottom of the list this time. James, um, just uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, where can people find you on the web? Um, people can uh, read my uh, smart board blog called Teachers Love Smart Boards and they can also find me at Teacher Online Training with, which is an online um, learning platform for teachers to learn how to use the smart notebook software. And I have had a look through your, that's on the Moodle course you did, right? I had a look through that. That's uh, excellent. There's some yes. really good stuff on there. So yes, highly recommended. Um, Danny, where can people find you on the web? Uh, you can find me on my blog, which is uh, whiteboardblog.co.uk and my thoughts and ramblings are normally fired off onto Twitter as well. That's Danny Nick on Twitter. Perfect. No worries. And James and Danny, you guys are fortunate enough. You're heading off to um, Canada next year for that um, conference that I can't go to. <laughs> Very sad. We are indeed, yes. Looking for the type of woolly hat. <laughs> you need it. Um, <laughs> Rob, where can people find you on the web? Oh, um, you can follow me. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, that's uh, Rob in Thailand. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't. I, I have a blog, but I haven't done. I've been debating which one to go with yet. WordPress or Posteris is really exciting these days too. Mm, so. Posteris is interesting. Um, yeah, and usually slumming around YouTube. Um, usually, yeah. Cool. No worries. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Um, Martin? Yeah, thanks, Chris. Um, my surname is Levins, L-E-V-I-N-S, and you can get me as martin.levins.net, and all the other stuff will sit on there. Excellent. Yeah. So thanks again, Chris. No worries. It's very enjoyable. Excellent. Pleasure. And yeah, Stu? Thank Stu? you very much. Yeah, you guys are very welcome. Thank you. Uh, Stu, where can we find you on the web? Yes, um, mainly on Twitter, and it's Moti underscore Stu. Uh, and I'm just getting blog sites and everything set up now because I've changed over my internet providers. So um, I'll post it on your blog site if you like, Chris. Yeah, no worries, mate. That'd be fantastic. I will put show notes to the podcast on the on the uh, on the site at virtualstaffroom.net, and um, I'll put all those links in here. But guys, thanks again for joining us. Uh, it's been a real pleasure, and um, we'll catch up soon. Cheers. So there you go. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, and as I mentioned in that episode, here's my chance to get a free plug. <laughs> um, uh, a fellow called Mal Lee and myself, we wrote a book recently about interactive whiteboards. Uh, in fact, this all stemmed from my own really kind of personal investigation into whiteboards and whether they were good or bad. And um, anyway, it ended up being a whole book and it got published by uh, Australian Council for Educational Research. And if you're interested, it is called The Interactive Whiteboard Revolution, Teaching with Interactive Whiteboards. And it's available through um, Acer Press. Um, along with the book, we actually set up a Ning community um, where people could come along and either discuss what they'd read in the book or simply just come along and talk about issues to do with interactive whiteboards. Uh, and that community has actually grown to nearly 800 members now. It's uh, far exceeded uh, my initial expectations. But, um, yeah, if you, if you are interested in that kind of thing, um, the IWB Revolution at iwbrevolution.com um, isn't a bad place to come and uh, engage in some discussions about um, what this technology is all about and particularly from a real teaching perspective uh, uh, we're not there to talk about the 
technical stuff or the uh, the sales stuff. In fact, that's kind of almost frowned upon. Well, it is frowned upon. Um, so uh, if you just want to talk about it from a pedagogical and teaching and uh, how can it make learning better, um, it's not a bad place to have a conversation. You're welcome to come over there. As always, virtualstaffroom.net for links and show notes and whatnot for this episode. Uh, so pop over there and, and uh, you can connect with all the guys who are on this episode. And uh, we will try and get that debate happening. I still think that debate's worthwhile uh, as an idea. So if we can make that happen, we will at some point in the future. Till next time, keep smiling. My name's Chris Betcher. You've been listening to The Virtual Staff Room.